Well, welcome back to Wednesday Night Live. Thank you to our hosts and the students and to those who led worship. We are so grateful for you and thank you for coming in and spending time and helping us grow closer to Jesus. And so uh, whether you're watching this maybe with your life group, uh, super excited that we can do that. So maybe turn to your life group and say, what's up? It's good to see your face. Or maybe you're watching this via couch or maybe via your living room or your bedroom. Either way, we're so glad that you're here joining with us. If you're in the chat and you haven't let us know that you're here, Comment in the chat, be like, yo, I'm here, I'm ready for a good night, I'm ready for a good Wednesday night live. Or maybe you're going back and you're watching this, uh, maybe like on a Thursday, Friday, or maybe later in the week. But either way, we're so glad you're here and that you're spending time and taking time out of your day to invest and grow in your relationship with Jesus, man. Uh, We have been in this series for the entire summer called By Faith. And what we've been doing is we've actually been studying various heroes of the faith. And so if you've been with us, you realize we're working our way through this list in Hebrews called the Hall of Faith. And so basically it's a bunch of different heroes in the Bible who practiced faith and God did something incredible in their life. And so what we're doing is we're walking through it and we're looking at their stories and we're going, wow, see what God did in their story through their faith and how if we have that same faith in the same God that they worshiped, God can grow us and God can do some amazing things in our life because of faith. And personally for me, this series has grown my faith and I have been challenged and it has been awesome. And Tucker has brought amazing messages. So has Sam. And so either way, we're just, we're just glad and I've loved this series. But I got to be honest with you. Tonight, we are actually talking about the story of Moses. And if you really know a lot about the story of Moses, like he was a pretty busy dude, like, right? He had the, he had the whole 12 plagues thing and then he, he parted the Red Sea, he did the whole staff thing and then like, whoosh, like water everywhere, right? Like he did that, he led the people of Israel out of Egypt, he did the whole let my people go thing with like Pharaoh, right? Like the dude lived a busy life. And so when I have the task of preaching on Moses, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, I really struggled with like, what do you preach about? When this guy, so like, check this out, right? You have Jesus, right? As Christians, we follow Jesus. Like, so like this whole part mostly is about Jesus. But if you really look, this much of the Bible, let me see if I can get all of it. This much of the Bible is the story of Moses. And so when I was preparing, I was like, well, that's a lot of reading. I don't read good. But here's, but how, what do I, like, what do I pick out? Like out of all of the things that Moses did, like, and, and he, he was an example of faith throughout most of his life. So it's like, what, what do we focus on? And in Hebrews, it talks about all the things that he did of parting the Red Sea and leading the nation of Israel and all those things. And it's like, okay, clearly in the life of Moses, he exemplified faith. He lived his faith out in a way that is inspiring to many that even with us, thousands of years later, we can look at his story and go, man, I want to be like Moses. And so, what, so tonight, actually, we're not going to really focus on his stories and all the things that he, where he lived by faith. Actually, we're going to focus on the turning point in Moses' life. Because throughout Moses' entire life, he actually didn't exemplify faith. For the first, for, for majority of the first part of his life, he actually ran from God. And it's a cool story because something happens in Moses' life that changes everything for him. And when it changes everything, that's when he leads the nation of Israel out of, uh, out of slavery. That's when he parts the Red Sea and he does everything. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the turning point tonight. 
If I were with you and we were in a crowd and we were all together, I would say, turn to your neighbor and say, turning point. So if you're with your life group, maybe do that. Maybe turn to your neighbor and say, turning point. Or comment, or maybe if you're running on a treadmill or maybe you're watching this on the couch, just yell across your house, turning point. Maybe somebody will hear you. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at it. It's in Exodus chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles or maybe you're on your phone or whatever, turn over to there. And what we're going to do is we're going to work our way through this story that many of you are familiar with. And we're going to see the turning point in Moses' faith. Again, we're in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to break it down. We're just going to work our way through it. You guys ready? One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. He was a priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him, him being Moses, and a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement through the bush. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. So two parts to this, two parts. Let me explain what's going on, right? Moses right here, he, he's a shepherd. But if you, if you don't read, again, we're in chapter three, but if you miss out on chapter one and two, you miss the, 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 a big part of the story. Moses is an Israelite. And basically that means he was a slave to the Egyptians. He was in one nation and the Egyptians basically enslaved the Israelites. But something happened in Moses when he was a baby where he was actually adopted by the daughter of Pharaoh. That's basically like being adopted by the president of the United States. Like it was a big deal for Moses. So Moses was an influential guy. He grew up in in the most important house in probably the world at that time. Historically speaking, Pharaoh was one of the most powerful dudes. If you were a a Pharaoh, you were powerful. And so he grew up in Pharaoh's home. And what happens is, is, is something happens in the life of Moses where he actually commits a crime and he runs away and he flees and he turns into a shepherd. He marries this country girl and basically hides and runs from the will of God. Basically, here's what happened to Moses. He was living in the White House in Washington, D.C. Something happens and he runs away and becomes a farmer in Nebraska. That's essentially what happens in the life of Moses. So here we have Moses, right? He's just going throughout his day. He's tending to his flocks. He's taking care of his sheep, helping out his father-in-law. He's on this mountain where all of a sudden he comes upon a burning bush. And straight up, Moses is just a dude. So he's like, dude, that bush is on fire. It's amazing. I got to go look at it, right? Like nothing super spiritual. He's like, the bush is on fire. I want to go look at it, right? So here's where we're at. Moses has ran from God. He sees a burning bush. Let's see what happens. Verse four says, when the Lord saw Moses coming, To take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. He said, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Just imagine Moses like walking up and like this bush is on fire and all of a sudden the bush starts talking to him. It's like, Moses, Moses, he's like, "Uh, here, like in class, like here I am, like what is going on, right? The burning bush that isn't burning, it's on fire but not really burning all the way through and now there's a talking voice like where are we going? Verse 5. Don't come any closer, the Lord warned. Moses like, wasn't planning on it. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God, okay? Same thing, right? We're in this same series called By Faith, and so what we're doing is we're looking at all these heroes that we've already talked about. We've talked about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and when Moses realizes, like, oh my goodness, I'm talking to the same God, just like we're talking to the same God about the same God right now, Moses is like, oh my gosh, like, this is for real. This is a big deal. 
Like I'm talking to the God that made a great nation out of Abraham, the God that blessed Jacob, the God that blessed Joseph. It's the same God. And so he drops to the ground and goes, God, I'm literally talking to God. This is a big deal. I could just imagine Moses like going up on the bush and being like, oh my God, and it being like the only time in, in, in scripture where he can actually say that because he's literally talking to God face down, afraid, going, what is going on? And here's what God says to him through the bush. Verse seven, here we go. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress and because of their harsh slave drivers, yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, and Amorites, and now look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. And I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go. For I am sending you to Pharaoh, you must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. So Moses is face down, trying to understand what God has for him. Then all of a sudden, God's like, all right, you ready? Are you listening, Moses? Here is what I need from you. You're going to lead my people. He, God is, okay, side sermon. God hears you. God hears you in your pain. God hears you when you're hurting. God hears you when things aren't going well in life. And so sometimes we might feel, especially in this era, especially in the time that we're living in, that God's not listening. But if we can just take one little sh like side sermon, God hears you. Back to Moses. Moses left Egypt. He ran away. He was a person of influence and he ran away. God comes to him and he says, you are going to rescue the people of Israel who are enslaved by the Egyptians. I hear their cries. You're actually going to rescue them out of Israel. And just, just stop for a second because Moses is like, okay, that's a good plan. Like that plan. But I was there and now I'm here and I'd prefer not to go back there. Right, And so I'm going to summarize the next couple of verses for you just because it's a lot. So here's what happens, right? God tells him in verse 10, you must lead my people out of, Israel, out of Egypt and you're going to lead the nation of Israel. So Moses then kind of stands up and goes, all right, God, let's talk about this, right? So you've got Moses, you have burning bush, and you have God. And they're having this conversation via bush. And they're talking and here's what happens. You guys can read the rest of the story on your own, but Moses actually starts talking to God and he goes, God, listen, what if I go to Israel and Pharaoh doesn't listen to me? God says, Moses, I'm in control and he's going to listen to you. He's like, I don't know, are you sure? And then he starts arguing with him and, and then finally he kind of, then Moses drops it and he's like, all right, all right, fine. What if Pharaoh listens, but then the people of Israel don't. Like if I come to the people of Israel and say, hey, God told me I'm supposed to lead you out of Israel and out of slavery and into the promised land and, and, and the people of Israel are like, no, 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 we don't believe that you actually heard from God. Then, so what, what, is, what is Moses doing right now? He's making up excuses and he's trying to talk his way out of God's plan. He's like, okay, what about Pharaoh? God's like, don't worry about Pharaoh, I'm in control. He's like, okay, well, what about the leaders of the nation of, of Israel? What if they don't listen to me? What if they don't think? God's like, don't worry about them. I'm in control. 
And then so finally he's going through his list of excuses. And so there's actually another part at the very end of the chapter where, where Moses goes before God and he goes, God, I don't think you understand who I am. I'm not equipped to lead these people. And let me tell you why. I have a stutter. So the, 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 the scripture doesn't specifically tell us, but we know from the Bible that Moses actually had a speech impediment. Most people believe it was a stutter, but he had a hard time communicating. So what is, what is Moses doing right now? He's talking to God through the bush, and he goes, what, I don't want to because Pharaoh might not listen. And he's like, okay, well, well the people of Israel might not listen. And then he goes, I don't talk good, God. I'm not equipped to lead the people. And you just got to imagine God's on the other side via bush and going like, I am literally talking to this man through a bush that's on fire, that's not burning, and homeboy is still concerned about Pharaoh. God is talking to Moses and he goes, Moses, I'm in control. It doesn't matter what Pharaoh does. I'm in control. It doesn't matter what the people of Israel do. It doesn't matter about your speech. I'm in control. And I want, I want to read one last Bible verse that if you can memorize it, if you can maybe write this down somewhere, maybe pray about this. I want you this, because this verse changes everything for Moses, and it turns him into the leader of Israel, the guy that leads them out of Egypt, parts the Red Sea, the gangster that we read about in Scripture that Moses says, this is where it happens. We're going to jump ahead to chapter 4, verse 1. You guys ready? Chapter 4 of Exodus, verse 1. But Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Again, he's making excuses. Verse 2, here, here it is, here it is. Then the Lord asked him, what is in your hand? Kind of a random question, right? But here's where it changes everything for him. He asked him, what is in your hand? You might be asking, okay, what was in Moses' hand? Like, why would God ask him that? It's a good question. Moses, as a shepherd, he always had a staff in his hand because that's how he, you know, moved the sheepies and stuff. So he always had one. And... God commands Moses to throw the staff on the ground. And when he does, Moses throws the staff on the ground and the staff actually turns into a snake. And Moses is like, whoa. God tells him, pick the snake back up. That's a good step of faith right there because I ain't touching the thing, right? But Moses reaches down and picks it back up and it turns back into a staff. And then he goes, Moses, let me see your hand. Moses holds out his hand. He goes, I want you to take your hand and I want you to stick it in your cloak, in your, in, in your jacket. So Moses does. He takes his hand and he sticks it in his jacket and he pulls it back out. And what happens is, is when he pulls his hand back out, his hand is infected with leprosy. Many of us don't know what that disease is, but basically it's a degenerated skin disease where it looks like your skin and everything just starts to fall off. And so Moses is like, put it back, put it back, put it back, put it back, right? He pulls out his hand and God basically looks at Moses through the bush and he goes, I am God. I am who I say I am. I am in control. No Pharaoh, no people, no speech impediment will stop me. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what you think might happen. What matters is, is that I am God. And whatever's in your hand, I can use. You want to know why? Because I'm God. And after that encounter, man, it changes everything for Moses. 
Moses takes a step back and he realizes, he goes with the staff on the ground and God says, what's in your hand? And, God, and finally Moses kind of steps back and goes, God, you're in control. Students, if there's any message that we can take away from the, from the story of Moses is that is God is in control. He is in control. You're like, what about Corona? God's in control. What about, what about racism? God is in control and he is working on behalf of his people. What about, what about health and sickness in the economy? God's in control. What about job loss? God's in control. What about these murder hornets? God is in control. God is in control and I can say it and say it until I'm blue in the face, but just check this out. Remember I said, this is the story of Moses and when he sees God work and he sees the staff and he sees his hand and he sees what the power of God can do with just what's in his hand, he goes, I get it, you're in control, I'm gonna listen to you. And I know some of you are going through it right now. I know some of you are watching this and going, Trey, you have no idea what's going on in my life right now. And you're right, I don't. But here's what I do now. God is in control. Whenever I prepare a sermon, I always kind of do two things. What do I want the students to know? And what do, I, what do I want them to do about it? So students, what do I want you to know, man? If you take, if there's just one thing, and I just, God is in control. God is in control, God is in control, God is in control. I want to annoy you with how much I say it because I want you to understand God is in control, and when you understand and you fully believe that, it changes everything. So believe that God is in control. If we can remember from the story of Moses, he's in control. I want you to live like it. I want you to act like it. I want you to walk like it. I want you to talk like it. I want you to live and believe and walk by faith like he is in control. Despite what's going on around us, God is in control. We can celebrate that. We can walk in that. We can live in that. And even though it may not seem like it, even though it may not seem like we don't know what's going on, because sometimes we stand on this side of heaven and we go, God, sir, mister, it just seems like you're not listening. It just seems like you don't know what's going on here on earth right now, but God stops and he goes, no, 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 no. I'm in control. Live like it, walk like it, act like it, believe like it, walk by faith, because I'm in control. What do I want you to know? Hopefully you know by now that God is in control. What do I want you to, to do about it? Say it. That's a simple thing. Say it. God is in control. If you're with your life group right now, turn to your neighbor and say, God is in control. If you're at home, just say it out loud. Because when we rest in that fact, when we understand that God is in control, it changes everything. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that despite what is going on in our life right now, despite what is going on in our country, in our society, and just everything that's going on, you are still God. You are who you say you are. You are the God of our forefathers. You are the God of this nation. You are the God of this world, and we believe that. God, you are in control. You are not sitting back. You are not passive. You are a God who intervenes in life, and you love us more than we can ever imagine. May we live like that this week. May we walk like it. And may we believe that you are in control. In your son's name we pray.